generally speaking, it's like an 18-month lag time. Okay. So what you saw 18 months ago in residential is what starts to happen in commercial. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, great state of Arizona and Azria family. This is Marcus Maloney, and we are watching, listening to the Azria show. And I have my co-host, and we have Eddie Gonzalez here today, and he's going to talk to us about commercial leasing and industrial leasing. So, Eddie, before we get started, man, give us a little bit of background. Who are you? What you doing? How long you been here in the Valley? All of that kind of good stuff. Absolutely, Marcus. And Mike, thank you for the yes. invite. Yes. Welcome. The reason I'm here is because of social media, to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. So we'll get that out of the way. Mike and I met how many years ago? Less than two, man. Right. Two years ago, yeah. you actually saw some of my content. Mm -hmm. You reached out. Yep. You let me sell one of your little buildings. Mm -hmm. And then you hired me to do the lease here at the office building. Correct. Yep. So 100%. that's the now. So we thank you, Eddie, for this wonderful new, new space as we space. It's my pleasure. Yep. I'm glad it's working out. <laughs> it is. It, it is. That could be very stressful. <laughs> Who am I? What do I do? Where am I yep. from? I grew up on 16th Street, Missouri, which is right around the corner from where we're at right now. Okay. So born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, third generation Phoenician, mm -hmm. literally moved once in my life. Wow. I left my parents' house. I bought my house. Now I need to buy my forever house. Okay. okay. And then I'm done. It's so easy in my life. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Just keep it simple. Yes. It's funny that you talk about that because I'm in the midst of a move right now. And it's like, ah, I don't want to do this, but hey, it's worth it. I've helped a lot of people move and I learned by through them that that's not my style. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. So this is my stomping grounds right okay. here. I actually got to sell a building right around the corner from here because I used to skateboard in the parking lot of that building. Wow. Yeah. So I really... Okay. One of my opening lines when I cold call is I live, work, and play right down the street from your building. Perfect. And then on that particular- You literally play. Literally. Yeah. Skateboard. Skateboarding. Okay. You tell them that? So for that, per, for that particular yeah. listing, I walked into the building and I said, what happened to the waterfall? And he looks at me and he's like, the waterfall hasn't been here for like 15 years. And I said, well, I know that waterfall because when I skateboarded, in your parking lot, I used to dip my head in it when it got too hot. Yeah, to cool off, huh? And he's like, man, you really do know the neighborhood. And I'm like, yeah. And you're okay. right down the street. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So why do you do that? Why do I do what? what your, your previous experience, you brought that up to the owner or whoever you spoke to. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just market knowledge. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I've seen what's happened. I know what building's been what. And it's really fun to go down, actually, this landlord of this building, mm -hmm. I think you kind of witnessed it with his daughter and I mm -hmm. just going down this rabbit hole of what tenant used to be here and who used to be there and what buildings got knocked down and what buildings got built. That really drives me. And that's okay. kind of my legacy. When I was growing up, my grandfather was a welder. And one of the things that he did is built most of the billboards in town. Gotcha. And I remember as a little guy, him saying, 
yeah, that billboard, this billboard. And like he was just rattling stuff off. And then when I left the hotel industry and got into commercial real estate, that was kind of one of the things that was in my head is I don't have kids myself, but I've got two nephews and a niece. I want to go down the street and be like, Mike Del Creek is in that building. I did mm-hmm. that deal. I sold that building. Goodness, that's, that's so right. funny, man. I love that stuff. I, you know, I agree with you, man. I do that with and we're just driving around town with my son or my wife. It's like, I fulfilled that house. Oh, that that house right there. Someone did this. So it's weird how you remember these little houses. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. That's cool that you do that. I mean, it's awesome. a part. It's a part of your history. Yeah. And like you said, market knowledge. You understand the market. So that's one of your selling points for advertising. It is, and it helps. So Mm -hmm. I actually made some cold calls this morning, and I've got another client that I helped his mom lease an office building, and he's looking for something very specific. I already know which buildings I need to target. Right. I don't need to go search. I don't need to go drive the streets. I already know exactly one, and I've been in most of the buildings that he needs. So now it's a matter of, okay, there's 27 buildings that will work. Who's going to sell? Who's going to sell? So, so do you primarily focus on Central Phoenix? Central Phoenix is what I love. Okay. Central Phoenix is what I like to focus on. Mm-hmm. But my farm is literally all of Arizona. Okay. So we've worked on stuff down in Benson, Arizona, Tucson. We'll go far north. So we'll work on anything. But what I truly love is this area. Okay. And then you're with ESV commercial, Desert Commercial, correct? S- As your broker? SGN. Yeah. S- Say it again. SVN. SVN. Where did I get ESV from? I don't your, know. Your handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> SVN Desert Commercial. So, so Eddie, um, let's kind of go back. What did you do before commercial leasing? Yeah. So before I was in the commercial real estate world, I was in the hotel world. And I worked for the Ritz-Carlton Phoenix, okay. 24th Street and Camelback Road. I was actually at that property for 14 years wow. before they closed it down. And what did you what did you do there? I started as a valet running okay. cars, and that's actually where I met my now business partner. Actually, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Two of my business partners, because we have a brand new gentleman who just retired. His name's Chad Shipley from the Phoenix Police Department, and he's now going into commercial real estate. So I worked with two business partners. At the Ritz Carlton Phoenix. That's cool. Oh. They we all kind of went our separate directions, except I stayed at the hotel. One gentleman, Rami Majahed, went into residential real estate and quickly left that and went in the commercial. Went in the commercial. Okay. I stayed the hotel route. Chad went and was a police officer for twenty years, and now we're all back together. That's okay. Awesome. Okay. The, the police officers have give you some competition about the market knowledge. He's going to have some stories just like you. He has some amazing stories. And you know what he is freaking awesome at? What's that? He still has some tools and resources. Oh. He can find anyone. I bet. Yeah, I bet. So if you're looking for owners, tenants, holy smokes. Like, it'll take me a good 15 minutes to kind of go through the process and find someone. Uh Boop, boop. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Amazing. So, So I like the Ritz. Nice place. Right. So two things I have. One, tell me if this is true. What did you use to keep in your pocket? The credo card. What is it called? It's called a credo card. And what does that do? So the credo card, dang it, I don't have one in my, I might have one in my pocket. Let me look because this thing's thick right now. So there is, I don't have a credo card in my pocket right now. That's abnormal too. 
A credo card is everything that we as employees of the Ritz-Carlton are trained to do mm -hmm. is on this one little business card. Mm -hmm. It kind of holds out accordion style. And it has, if you're ever in a challenging situation, all you have to do is pull out this card and it gives you step by step, no matter what the situation is, wow. how to overcome a guest challenge. Ooh, it's cool. I'll bring some in for you. Cool, right? It's great customer service. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and also, right, I know they're big on paying attention. So, if, the, if you're talking to a customer and they're like, I just hate the way that chandelier looks or whatever it is, you got to notate that and report that. That's, that was the coolest thing, but also one of the most challenging jobs. At our property, we had three people, and it's called guest recognition. Mm -hmm. And they had the coolest job because anything that we would take note of, so there were literally these little sheets. And if mm -hmm. you found out it's somebody's birthday, you write it, down, write it down, you run it back to the ladies and guest rec, they put it in a database. And at that time, there were 78 Ritz Carltons that get shared with all of the properties. Wow. So wow. they know when Mike's birthday is. Yep. Mike shows up on his birthday, there's going to be something in the room that says happy birthday, either balloons or chocolate dip strawberries, something yeah. along those lines. So, so how does that transfer into your commercial business? CRM. CRM? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So so what are going into like, yeah, what have you taken from that? Because that's a, a reputable, great establishment. So it's like, how does that help you overall in your business outside of CRM? You, yeah. Huge. What have you taken from that? Yeah, so everything that I learned at that hotel completely applies. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, it's pretty much the same clientele. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true, yeah. true. It really is. So a lot of people, and this is one of my only regrets when I was at the hotel. I was of the mindset that I'm going to see that person tomorrow because our regulars would come in mm -hmm. almost every day. So you get to form this right. relationship. What I did not do is take down people's phone numbers emails and contact information yeah because i'm gonna see him tomorrow right not a big mm -hmm. deal if i want to talk to you I'll yeah. either see you here or go around the corner to the old houston's which is yeah. now hillstone yeah. and i i knew where to find them so that was okay. my own that was my only thing that was regrettable in the hotel industry but the good stuff mm -hmm. everything applies yeah Customer service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah because i bet you if you had that network right now man whew, be amazing. Luckily, it's come full circle. And so here's a weird one, podcasting, right? You guys know Dean Graziosi? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he was a regular guest. He told a story on his podcast about a gentleman that I knew that used to also come in the hotel. Okay. I knew that he owned a particular building. So when I made the cold call, hey, I just heard a story about you on Dean's podcast. I don't know if you remember me or not, but we met at the Ritz Carlton, yep. phone call, meeting, done. Yep, no easy piece. So, yep. yeah. Love dropping some good uh, bombs here. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. It's finding those commonalities and similarities make those conversations a lot easier. And it's like you do all this hard work, whether it's marketing and paying for marketing or all this energy, and these little tips like that, you take it to the next step, like I said, boom, you know, yeah, yeah. that's even cool. Love it. So, so you were working at the Ritz Carlton and then what did you do? How did you transition into commercial? Yeah. So when I started the Ritz, the very first person that I walked 
through the door and saw was my now business partner. Okay. And I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, you look lost. And I said, I am lost. <laughs> and he said, what are you looking for? And I said, HR, customer service, right? He yeah. goes, it's confusing to get back there. I'm going to walk you back. So we walked back. It's a two minute walk. We're going back and forth. He's like, you should, you should apply to be a valet. And I go, okay. He's like, yeah, you look like a valet. And uh -huh. I go, well, I used to ballet at the Biltmore. That's actually why I'm here. So he's like, okay. yeah, you should do that. So the process to get hired for the Ritz was more challenging than me getting a government contract job at Honeywell working on rockets. Wow. It was cool. so hard. You start with personality tests, mm -hmm. and then there's five interviews with all the leadership, and then you interview with who's going to be your supervisor, and they make the final decision. Mm. So I went through the entire process, and what I didn't know at the time, but I found out when I got to actually be the person that was interviewing them, only 10% of people pass the test to be able to do the interview portion. Okay. So it was challenging to get through it. Cool. Yeah. He, when he saw me, he's like, oh my gosh, you made it through the process. Because <laughs> so many people don't make it through the process. It's like, yeah. Gotcha. So when we became good buddies. We worked together for two years. That's when he separated and went the residential route. Okay. I stayed with the hotel. We would have lunch, hang out every once in a while. And a few times he's like, you should come join my team. You should come join my team. And I went back and forth, back and forth. Before the recession, mm -hmm. I went and got my license. Okay. Didn't do anything with it. Then they announced that the hotel was going to be closing. I don't know if you guys know, there's a Ritz-Carlton Paradise Valley that's under construction right now. Oh, so, really? They're, they're, it's a long story, but ownership decided to close the Ritz-Carlton Phoenix, knowing that the other one was coming because there was a lot of money involved and okay. some leads that were coming due. So they decided to close that property knowing the other one was coming. Gotcha. Okay. Went back and forth and called lunch with Rami. Mm -hmm. And he said, absolutely. Join my team. Okay. So then I went and got my license and off to the races. I actually, not that easily right. off to the races. It, it's a heck of a process getting into commercial real estate. So I worked at the Mono Lucia for eight months and my schedule was beyond hectic. I would go commercial real estate 7 a.m. till 3 p.m. And then 4, I'd take an hour break. 4 p.m. I would start at the hotel and work till 11 p.m. And just- Wow, just work. Just grind. Oh, so you weren't lazy or nothing? Just a little bit. No, Because no, no. <laughs> I, I used to video games, you didn't like just slack off and do nothing? Well, I did sleep for like four or five uh, hours. Awesome. <laughs> Good for you, man. I love that. That's what it takes, man. That was the mm -hmm. most productive time of takes. my life though. I knew that, okay, laundry goes in, food gets cooked, boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. Like, you everything stay focused. was a red yeah. yeah, That's good. So power relationships, you met this guy at, at Ritz-Carlton. Now you guys are business partners. You worked on his team. So tell me kind of about that transition to be that commercial lease, leasing agent. What did you learn? What were some of the differences and similarities between that and residential? Because you said you had your license for some time and you just didn't do anything with it. Why was that? You know what? I didn't know what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So during, it must've been 2005, 2006. Okay. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I loved the hotel business and I was very comfortable and I really wish that I would have went into real estate a little bit earlier than I did. 
but I had a great gig at the hotel. Okay. So it's kind of one of those things like, all right, I'm going to get this. This is my backup plan. I really, in my head, always thought I was going to do 25 years with the Ritz, retire from the Ritz, and then go into real estate. Okay. But I don't remember exactly what was planted in my head for me to go get the license the first time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So then you, you got with your partner's team. Tell us about that first deal, man. How did that happen? You know, kind of take us down that road. No one has ever asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm the host. <laughs> okay, I get I get the chills on this. Okay. Very first deal was at 51st Avenue in Glendale. So here's how it gets okay. here's how industrial-ish. Uh, downtown uh, strip, right? Yep. So okay. it's just uh, it's on 51st. Mm -hmm. 7105 is the address. Got Three it. tenant automotive building. Okay. Here's the setup though. We work with Dairy Queen. Okay. So somebody called and said, hey, you need to meet with this gentleman. He wants to open a few more stores. Okay. We go to the Dairy Queen. He's not there. Mm -hmm. I bring my business partner. It's like a big deal, right? This right, right. Yeah. First I, deal. Try to make it happen. The guy doesn't show up. So we've got six different sites for this guy to look at. We're both like, okay. So we get in the car and drive all the way back to the office. Second time, we go. Guy's not there. Hmm. Is there appointments here or are you just showing no, up? No, there's appointments. Okay, set. you got it, guys. And we're like, what in the heck is going on? I called the guy and third time, my business partner goes, I'm not going. I'm not going again. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'll go. So he hands me these sites. I don't know anything about anything. And he goes, tell him these would be good sites for other Dairy Queens to be built. I am intimidated beyond intimidated. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I walk in with these seven sites. I don't know why they're good sites. Right. I just have marketing players. Okay. I walk in, he's there, and he looks at me and we sit down before the store opens and he just bursts in tears. Oh wow. wow. And I don't know what to do. And that morning his wife was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, oh man. Yeah. No. So he writes an address down and he says, Go look at this property. I want to sell it. I'm going to leave Arizona. We're going to sell everything and go back to Washington. So I said, okay. So I've got this address. I leave. The whole purpose of it was to open multiple stores. That's out the window. I drive down the 51st Avenue and I'm looking everywhere for this Dairy Queen. And there's no Dairy Queen. Mm -hmm. So I go to the address and it's this automotive building. Meineke, Amco, and Mako. Okay. Three buildings. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay. Where's the ice cream? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I go back to the office and do a little bit of research. And it's funny how I took the first picture for the marketing of this. And I can't believe I'm admitting this. This is where the drum came into play a little bit too. So 51st Avenue is pretty darn busy street. Yeah. Yeah. So I pulled my truck into the middle lane. I jumped into the bed of the truck and um, then jumped on top of the roof with my camera. And snap the first picture. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. But you did what you had to do. But I did what I had to do. Right. So that was the very first building that I sold. It took about nine months to go through the whole process to get it done. And 2.25 million. That was my, my first mm. big sale. So that was, that was cool. And there were so many learning hurdles 
in between. I remember going into the basement where the oil would come oil, down, yeah. and I'm looking at it, and the phase one guy's going to come, and if those of you that don't know what a phase one is, it's an environmental test. Yep. And I'm looking at this oil on the ground, and I'm like, it's not going to pass. There's no way. And I'm just kind of, I'm looking at the phase one guy because normally, normally a broker wouldn't go out for that. Right. But I was there because I wanted to learn. Want to learn. So I'm just like looking at it and looking at him and looking at, <laughs> comes back. He's like, no, everything looks good. And then I, once I get the, I'm like, what about all He's like, oh, it's because it's concrete. Everything's Surface. sealed. Yep. You're fine. A couple things there. So one, all right. So he owned, did he own the building or did he own the businesses? He owned the building. Okay. That's a great question. Okay. Yep. So that's just something that I knew nothing about when I started as well. When you look at Starbucks, you think Starbucks probably owns that building. Very rarely is that right. the case. Starbucks leases the building from Mike who owns mm-hmm. the building and the land. Awesome. So so he so then so that brings me back thinking Dairy Queen, he was probably he probably has a connection at Dairy Queen where he was probably just gonna get the buildings. Potentially bring the brand. Yeah. It depends. Maybe. So, what we did on the other Dairy Queen that I was very heavily involved in mm-hmm. is instead of doing a standalone Dairy Queen, we did a strip center with a Dairy Queen on the end cap. Okay. My business partner, before I started, sold the land. It was going to be more expensive to do a standalone Dairy Queen than an 8,000 square foot strip center. So, gotcha. we did that. I got to lease out the shop space and then we sold that deal. So it's basically a lease back. So Dairy Queen developed, did mm-hmm. that whole process, leased the building, signed a lease with themselves, and then we sell it as a leased asset. Wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Is great. Great creative so, ways so to do things. A couple things. So one, you learning lessons like right you you kept going to the appointment you're persistent you didn't give up one a your potential your friend or your partner at the time would have not have got that deal right good so, point right so you didn't see so you, you did your tenacity and then from there what else did i learn okay so i like how when you're new you went and you wanted to learn the process right like uh, when my wife started like she people farm and they own, own in one spot but she's doing land mobile homes Multifamily yeah. houses, kind of like just at least to get those experiences and those those things out of the way. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's one thing I always recommend is just in the beginning is be involved in all the processes and steps. I agree. So, yeah. I agree. Cool. And that was actually one thing that's nice about working at SVN. Twenty three people in the office, and everybody is very collaborative. Okay. So if my mentor wasn't sitting there, which it happens, we right. are all moving and shaking. You can go bounce something off oh, anybody yeah. in the office, which is really okay. cool because there's so many years of experience there. Does a commercial agent get paid like a, a house, a regular single family agent, an interest or the the interest percentages and stuff? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And my understanding is because our deals are bigger and there's a lot more marketing that we don't pay for, the house splits we get less. Okay. So bigger numbers, but you have to split it with So still 3% for buyer-seller agents? Yeah. So but going into it, you should anticipate a 50-50 split with the house. Got it. And just like the housing agents, I noticed there's a trend of the commissions going down. Are you noticing that in your world? So in our world, the smaller the deal, 
the bigger the percentage of the commission. Okay. So if I'm working on a, I've never worked on a thirty million dollar deal before. Okay. I'll just put it out there. You will. Oh. Yep. Not yet. In the very near future. <laughs> so those huge deals. What's confusing about those is you're probably going to get a flat rate. Oh, and okay. Here's something interesting to look at as well, and I'm not digging on the big guys, but yeah, I'm no. digging on the big guys here. If you look at a marketing package and then you see, okay, there's six people on this listing because that's what it takes to get some of those big deals done. Mm -hmm. And it's a $200,000. Wow, that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. 200 grand. Right. Big money. But then you figure, okay, you got 200 grand. Half of it goes to the house. So there's 100 grand. 100 grand. Split that out six ways with your team. Yeah. Then you pay the government. Wow. You yeah, have to do yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of thirty million dollar deals to be able to do what gotcha. you want to do. Versus, I sold seventeen ten East Indian School Road for two million two two three two million three hundred. Mm -hmm. Me and Judy worked on the deal. The two of us. We double ended it and we got six percent. Double ending meaning meaning we yep, meaning the we represented the buyer, buyer and the seller. seller. And that's legal in Arizona. Yep. Only if it's in writing. Absolutely. And let me clarify with Mike real quick is that standard commission for an agent, there's no standard commission for an agent. It's not three okay. percent or anything like that. It's really whatever you negotiate. So yeah. it could be two point five percent, could be two percent, could be three. So as an agent, if you go in and you say standard commission is 3%, you're going to get fined. You're going to get a fine for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So just to clarify everybody out there, there is no standard commission for, for agents. On that automotive deal, I got 4%. And the reason why we got 4% on that is it was a relationship starter. Okay. So if we go in and we really want some of these business and they've got a lot of stuff, we'll go in at a little bit of a lower rate to prove ourselves mm -hmm. and then work our way up. Almost like seed capital. Like, hey, let's get through this one mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about bigger numbers down exactly. the line. Okay. Well, let's take a brief break. Um, we'll be back with Eddie Gonzalez. We'll take a brief break here, word from my sponsor, and we'll be right back. Are your real estate dreams on hold? With work, kids, everything else going on, time is limited. Most days you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. All right, guys, we are back with Eddie Gonzalez, and we're talking commercial, light industrial, and we're going to tap into social media. But before we do that, Eddie, just kind of off the air, we were talking about the lag time with commercial compared to residential real estate. Kind of let's go into that, kind of the market conditions, because everybody know what's going on in the single family residential space, somewhat about the multifamily, but commercial, I mean, that's completely off the grid for most people. Yeah, it is. It's a whole different ball of wax. And what we were kind of talking about is the lag time mm -hmm. of 
what's happening in residential versus what's happening in commercial. Generally speaking, it's like an 18 month lag time. Okay. So what you saw 18 months ago in residential is what starts to happen in commercial. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So right now it's it. Phoenix in general is a very busy place. Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing is office for sale. I'm having a heck of a time finding office buildings for sale. Wow. So if really? You, yeah. If you pull and this, so if you watch the news, you're going to see something way different than what I'm telling you right now. And that's what I was going to say, because that kind of contrary to what, what you see on the news, because everybody say, well, nobody's returning back to work. What are with these office leases, what are these office buildings going to do? But you're saying it's completely different. Huh? It, it is different, but I'm going to put one caveat on that. Okay. Anything that's in that 20 to 60,000 square foot in office, that's what's struggling. Okay. So you're okay. going to see a lot of subleases with that particular size. And those are the people that are figuring it out, right? So it's not necessarily going to hit the radar though because it's a sublease. So somebody's still paying the lease. Right. So there's not that true pain on the landlord yet. It's going to catch up. That's where that lag time portion kind of dives into it. So I pulled Central Phoenix, Scottsdale, kind of valley wide just to see what was out there lease wise above 25,000 square feet. And there's a lot. Okay. But if you're looking for smaller spaces, like we have a heck of a time finding this. Yeah. How many feet are we here? About 3,000? 30, yeah, 3,200-ish. Yeah. So those ones, those are challenging to find right now okay. because some of those big guys, they still need office space. Their key employees need to be in the office. They're looking for stuff like this. Something smaller. Yeah. Okay. So what's happening with those bigger ones then? Like, is that because people are working from home? Is that literally what it is? or That's part of it. Part of it. Yeah. What else do you think? I think that's the majority of it. Yeah. yeah. And and there's certain businesses that are going to fill it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is the rent is still being paid. Yeah. Mm. Got it. So that's okay. one of those other things that's kind From of the subleasing that you said. No, because so the the company paid are you familiar oh, with the sublease? Got it, got it. So you're saying you're you're still paying in it. They might not be sitting there, but they're still, they're still paying, paying exactly. it. So when those leases are running out, it's when the problems may happen. Correct. If nothing changes. Okay. Correct. But normally, like with commercials, what, like five-year leases and up? It depends, yeah. So five years, kind of the basic. Every once in a while, you'll see a three-year lease. Five is normal. Five to ten is normal. Okay. But there's companies, we're doing deals right now, 25-year leases. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so long-term. Here's something I want to touch on, too. You'll see banks go out, and I've got a client that's specifically looking for banks because they sign very long deals yeah, and they're corporately backed. So what that means is just because Bank of America went out at 32nd Street and Camelback, and I'm just using that as an example, I don't know the inner workings of that deal. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that nobody's paying rent. Right. It could just be a vacant building and they didn't want to collect paper operations. Gotcha. So they shut it down. And they're still, still paying, paying the landlord. Okay. So you'll see a lot of that with banks right now because banks are kind of contracting as well, especially yeah. with all the kiosks. Yeah, I noticed that because I mean, it's it's even me and Mike, we talked about it. You walk into a bank, it's like a ghost town and maybe one or two people in the bank. Right. Yeah. So I learned something from Eddie when we were looking for this location, because well, when you're driving around, you're looking, I'm like, look at that empty supermarket or in these strip plazas and like, it's been abandoned for three years. Why can't we, why don't you just call them? We'll fill the space for them. Mm-hmm. And what did you tell me about those? 
Yeah, so there are rules and regulations, not necessarily the landlord. Let me rephrase that. It's not just the landlord that makes the calls on leasing. Depending on how the loan reads, it's actually the bank Ooh. that holds the note that dictates what happens in those shopping centers. Wow. So okay. if you go in and you say, you've been vacant for 12 years, <laughs> we're uh -huh. offering you X, Y, and Z to fill the space. They can look at the number and that doesn't hit the pro forma numbers and they can't do the deal because their hands are tied because the bank says, I need to get X, Y, or Z. Wow. So they would have it be vacant van. That must have something to do with like the operating cost or mm -hmm. something like that. It's probably cheaper to, for it to be vacant than have somebody in there and run the electricity and everything like so that. Possible. So the bank's pretty much in underwriting for the land. For the land. Correct. Yeah. So they know, even though it's vacant. Right. We're waiting nothing. for. We're yeah, waiting yeah. for this. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, okay, there goes that. Idea. Because somebody may have a lease. Somebody may say, okay, well, we can offer you $5,000 a month. But to run the HVAC may cost them ten thousand dollars a month just to run the HVAC. So I don't know. I'm not in that in that space. Let me not even try. Yeah. So all right. So you've been doing this for about six years. Everything like that. Where do you see this going for you personally, Eddie? I love this business, and what I want to do is ownership. Okay. So that's kind of my end game. And that's why I love talking to ladies and gentlemen that are tenants. So there's two different sides of the business. You've got tenant representation. So I represented my, mm -hmm. and then you've got landlord representation. Kelly represented the landlord on this deal. I like being on both sides, which is cool. The SBN allows it. Some houses say you're either this or you're that. And then they say, and you're working in this area. Okay. SBN says, Go have fun, do what you want to do. So I like doing both sides and long-term thinking. The reason I really like that is if Mike ends up not buying, I've represented him on this deal. If I buy an office building down the street, I want to come back to Mike and say, Hey, Mike, do you want to be in my building when your lease comes up? Right. You got some space. Exactly. Okay. So I own buildings. I'm going to own buildings. What size? Hey, 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 I like that. You said, so you want to own buildings. Eddie said, I'm going to own buildings. That's perfect. So what's your, what's your, because, you know, because when you put it out there, things come back. Right? Yep. So yeah. tell us what you want to buy. Maybe, maybe someone will call it. Yeah. So my first, my first building is going to be a retail strip center on an anchor. Okay. So an anchored center is generally something like prize anchored center. Yep. Here at the I like the smaller buildings. And I have, I'll toss it out there. So my friend, Aaron, he's a architect. Mm -hmm. He just bought the Cactus Candy building. Which one's that? So that's on 24th Street in Thomas. It's okay. just a little strip center. It's got three little spaces oh, in it. Oh, where is it? Just mm -hmm. a, so the whole building's 2,500 square feet, three spaces. I feel like those small spaces are easier to lease. Mm -hmm. You're going to get some startup. You're going to get some mm -hmm. turnover. But you go in, and those are no-brainers. Okay. So I like small strip centers. Love it. Okay. So guys, just to clarify that Anchor is normally like a big box store or something like that. That Anchor is the foundation of that commercial exactly. property. Okay. Exactly. And All that's, right. that's kind of the driver to those centers. Gotcha. So those, if you, this is a great point that you brought up. 
when you're looking at leasing as a tenant going into an anchored versus an unanchored center, an anchored center is going to be far more expensive and it's going to have more taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance. Mm. But the experts say that you're going to get more foot traffic because, because of, of that anchor. Exactly. Right. So if you're a destination business, you don't necessarily need that anchor. You can go down the street, pay five, mm -hmm. $10 less a square foot and drive your own traffic. Or if you're a retail tenant that needs that traffic, you go into one of those centers. Okay. Okay. So anchor, you're going to pay more per square foot versus unanchored. Correct. Okay. All right. Sounds great, awesome. Eddie. So before we wrap up, man, kind of, we follow you on social media. You're doing some creative stuff, man. Kind of, kind of help us as social media novice. How do you get into that space? How do you maneuver in that space? And guys, this is this is definitely a hard pivot. It's like yeah, just making a turn, right? <laughs> it all makes sense. Yeah, that's how we met. That's yeah. How we so met. that's how you guys met. So why is social media a big driver for you? Because nobody else is doing it in the commercial space. Okay. I think that's my differentiator and I do silly goofy things and I don't mind embarrassing myself okay. to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know yeah. if we should go into tough talk or not. No, I, was, I, was talking about <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I was like, yeah. I like, you know, so what caught my eye uh, with Eddie was the drone footage. So he has really cool drone footage, you know, all around Phoenix. I love the architecture. I love Phoenix in general. So I love watching it from that point of that perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, that's how I started watching you. One day I'm like, I see him, he's in the bathtub with all these bubbles, all you see is his head, a little rubber ducky. I'm like, wait, this guy's my agent. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> but it doesn't mean nothing, man, because he definitely overperformed, you know. So that was great. No, but yeah, putting yourself out there, one, which a lot of us are afraid to do. You yeah. know what I mean? The online in general is right there. Wait, 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 wait. What made you think of that concept? Yeah, yeah, where, that, where did that come from? It wasn't my idea. <laughs> I love taking baths before I go to bed because that's like my slow down, mm -hmm. decompression, decompress, cool. and then it puts me out. And I don't remember, there's some science behind that as well. Mm -hmm. So I was on the phone with my friend Blake Haggett. He's a commercial broker as well. He's one of the few guys that does a lot of content in commercial real estate. And I'm like, hey, I got to go. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to jump in the bathtub. And he's like, and I'm like, yeah, I take a bath every night. I'm like, it's none of my business. Right. He says, I dare you to post on the bathtub. I'm uh, like, whatever. Boom. You got my phone on the screen. I'm like, ah, shit. Skip it. Let's do it. Extra bubbles. Go. And I did it. And like, people really got into it. And then some people really got weird about it. And I'm like, if they're weird about it, that means I'm making an impression. Press so I'm going to do more of it. There you go. So I haven't been as consistent as I'd like. I think I've got 67 episodes and I call it Tub Talk. Okay. And literally it's just an Instagram post and it's either something that I learned or something that I experienced or some sort of information that I can share with people that are either looking to lease or buy commercial real estate. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it, it worked. You got Mike yeah. and look where you at. Now you're here doing a podcast. So it's it, it, like crazy. It's like all those 67 episodes. Standing in front of the building and nobody would notice. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that amazing? That's cool. Yeah. So share with us. What's what's your IG handle so people can follow you and watch you do your tub talk? Absolutely. So A Z commercial real estate. One word. Okay. A Z commercial real estate. Okay, you guys got it. A Z commercial real estate. 
We want you to get out there and follow Eddie Gonzalez with SVN Desert Commercial. If you need any commercial space, any leasing, industrial, look up Eddie. He'll definitely take care of you like he took care of Mike. Love it, man. Hey, give us, I know you started giving tips where some beginners, people starting in real estate, they want to do some social media or some things they can do to just get out there. Are we talking specifically on social media? Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I wish I would have done, and I was too embarrassed to do it. The journey. It's Gary V's deal, right? Mm -hmm. Document the journey. There's going to be shit that you're embarrassed about. Like the very first thing that I was learning about is triple net leases. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had no clue what a triple net lease was. I had no clue that I thought Starbucks owned the building. So I'm like, I'm going to call Starbucks and talk to them about their real estate. Right. And then I call Starbucks and they're like, dude, we lease. What are you talking right. about? Okay. I should have jumped on a post right then and there. Hey, guess what I just learned? Yeah. yeah. So learn the process. And here's the thing that's cool about commercial. There's a lot of grumpy old people doing it, but everybody truly wants to help you. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to see you fumble. They're going to see you fall down and everybody wants to cheer you on. So it might not be on that post, mm -hmm. but people are going to reach out. I had a super frustrating day one day to the point where I'm like, F this, I'm done. Somebody calls me from the East Coast. I saw your post today and this happened to me and we all get frustrated and shitty days happen, mm -hmm. but you're going to keep grinding. Just like those little phone yeah. calls. Yeah. So you didn't even know. Yeah. Right. So maybe, cool. I, I knew her, but like that was yeah. our first phone call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She just followed me on social. So it's, it's like that. And that's what I look at social. It's like that accountability. If you tell people, hey, I'm going to get out here and I'm going to do this. Because that's what I did when I got started. As a real estate investor, I documented my journey and people were like, I was like, okay, well, I'm out here. I don't know what I'm doing. I just moved to Phoenix. I'm on the West Valley, got a property locked up, but it was locked up at RV. I made a big mistake. So I would just document that journey and then people just started following me from there. So guys, take the, take the words from Eddie, document your journey. Don't be afraid to be embarrassed because we all make mistakes. It's just some people just don't share them. Just be bold enough to share them. And believe me, you will start making those relationships and those connections just like Mike and Eddie did. Cool. Relationship awesome. business. There you go. So guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a wonderful guest, Eddie, Mike, as always, being a perfect uh, co-host. This is Marcus Maloney. This is the Ads Real Show. Remember, you can always follow us on all platforms as well as YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. We're out here. So Eddie, thank you again. And guys, you know what to do. Always get out there and have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.